0: Right, guys, evening, and welcome to another episode of the Racing Line podcast. Um, tonight we're going to be talking a little bit of MotoGP, a little bit of IndyCar, and then even though there was no Formula One racing this week, guys, there is a little bit to talk about in silly season, and it's definitely relevant to us because it's pretty much all Australian
1: Aussie so, Aussie hate crime. Yep. Yeah,
0: so we'll um, we'll get into a little bit of Formula One as well. This is excuse me, episode forty-seven. Of the pod now, so getting close to our magic half century, which is going to be um, a big deal. But before we begin, let's start with the usual um, niceties. Joe, Harry, how is your week, boys? How are we going? Yeah, good. Just mate.
2: surviving, mate.
0: Just surviving, Joe. Online, just surviving
2: with, with the, the
0: COVID. Off. Yep, trooping along,
2: mate. This is the good thing about having a podcast. That's um, over the over the. Um, internet because you can self-isolate and still partake
0: mm. Mm. you know you do look a little bit under the weather
2: Well, i am a little bit under the weather but you know it's all good yeah yep. fair enough. i've fair had enough. a good weekend
0: so let's jump right into it boys the first topic of conversation tonight has to be the MotoGP gp race that took place at silverstone um last night um, if you haven't watched the race we'll just give you the top three which was uh peko bagnaya um, who's continues his trend of winning or binning, and this week he was winning. Um, Maverick Vinales like taking second place for Aprilia, so we were able to finally see a little bit of consistency from the whole Aprilia stable, uh, and it bodes well for the team, considering that um, Maverick is able to perform as well on the bike now, not just leash. And then in third place and continuing his run of podium form, um, even without the wins, was Aussie Jack Miller, so, um, interesting results, good results. I think Cuadrara ended up finishing, might have been eighth. Eighth. Um, which was a little bit of a swing against him in the championship, but it's still um, pretty comfortable. And then just in relation to the championship chase, second place, um, Alasius Bargrove. I want to say he finished in fourth.
2: He finished ninth.
0: Um, he finished ninth. Yeah, oh, there you go. I was wrong about that. Stop so, picking him. You're putting the jinx on him.
2: I didn't, no, you know, he I, a, picked him, he I picked mass- him, but
0: I didn't. I picked him and didn't realize that he had bloody two broken ankles.
2: He had a massive high side. I have not yeah. seen yeah. a high side like that in a long you know, time.
0: Joe, you know what it reminds me of—the high side of, of Lorenzo back in the day at the wet Donington circuit, maybe ten years ago.
2: I can't say I remember it to be honest, off the top of my head.
0: Mm. Or like, it, up on YouTube, or like, yeah. it
2: is it is such a vicious it's such a vicious vicious um accident mm. um it's, when a, it's, you, a, it's when, amazing when, that you he raced. It, if you see it it's amazing that he didn't just race but was in the um in the pack mm. i mean where do we where do we begin um all right, let's start from this so the race was such an intense race that the top 10 bikes, or within six and a half seconds of each other by the time the race finished. You know, it was pretty much a. Um, it was a sprint. Yeah, it was a 20 lap sprint, but it was pretty much a train the whole way. Um, I think last week, if you had asked me who would have won the race, I would have said Quattararo hands down. And I would have said that only because by the way he looks this year on the bike and the way that that bike, which is similar to last year's bike, uh, is performing, I would have thought he would have just taken off with the race like he did last year. Um, I thought even with the long lap penalty, I thought that his, uh, Yamaha would have sort of made light work of all the, um, of all the Ducatis and Aprilias through the corner, uh, through the, um, sort of twisty corners where that, that mm. Yamaha really excels. And I mean, from the get go, you could tell it wasn't going to be like that at all. Um, one thing i was thinking while watching the race was i think this is the moment in the in the season really where we can now see that that new ducati um the reason why they went with the reason exactly the reason they moved on from it um i think we're really going to see that now and and i think the problem that we saw in this race that quadrar is going to face is if that is true there are so many bikes now that can get between him and Peko. If the Ducati suits a track that, that, that um, points number can drop really quickly. Like now I think between him and Peko, it's 48 points. So that's not that much really. And I mean, the onus is still on Peko to, he has to keep winning. He has to keep actually finishing staying on the bike, but this race in particular, I, I was like, man, if, if Maverick, if Maverick has found a bit of form, if um, the Ducati bikes are getting to a point where the riders are com- more comfortable with them, and we saw that Miller was saying how much more comfortable he is with the bike now, um, even though Zarco crashed pole position, which he hasn't done very often, uh, Martin looked really good on the bike this week. And then even I noticed um, Bastianini's older. Ducati is getting upgrades that the new Ducati bikes are getting because he was running the same uh, refaring on the back seat. I think they're calling it a, the um, hedgehog or something because I had like some horns sticking on the back of the um, of the tail. So I thought it was a really telling race for the for the for the coming season if what we're seeing comes true.
0: Do you think that um, like we spoke before the the winter break, saying that? Essentially, for this championship to reinvigorate itself, we need a few races where um, uh, where Bagnaia wins the race and there's a bit of a filibusting that goes on behind him before we get to Quattararo. And we essentially saw that this week with a first and then Quattararo finishing in eighth. Does that, with a 49-point differential between the two of them and just under half a season to go, um, does that open up the season again, because I'm pretty sure going into the second half of the season, the difference between the two riders might have been pretty similar last year, until the Mazzano crash.
2: I think I think what's different to last year. I think hundred percent. But I think what's different to last year is that there are just more bikes that can get between them. Mm, that's and, right. And, and, well, and that's, what are,
0: like that's that's a strength of that's a strength for Baganaya, right?
2: Yeah. So I think I think Yamaha really have their work cut out to actually bring updates to this bike mm. um, like it, this season to keep uh, moving it forward. I mean, the 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 hardest thing for Yamaha is that they've only got one competitive bike. There was no more. I think the, the next Yamaha was like in 14th at the end of that race.
0: Yeah.
2: Um. So yeah, definitely put all your eggs into one basket but when it comes to even testing out parts for that bike, um, it's a, it's 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 going to be a a very um, hard slog, and I think, uh, well, I hope not, but I, I honestly think Yamaha will just put the ball in the court of sort of um, Quateraro's brilliance, and hope that he can sort of pull on a like if he if he wins this season, it's going to be an amazing achievement again. Mm. But um, like you could, you you would definitely hope that they're going to bring you know uh, a gun to this gunfight because Ducati's pulling out all the stops, you know they're. They're doing everything in their power to get this um this bike into the into into sort of you know fighting form for the end well, of the season.
0: What what we are seeing, well what I saw yesterday was that even amongst all the Ducati riders, Bagnaya, Miller, Bastanini, and Zarco, and even Martin to be honest with you,
2: they were all firing yesterday. They were so all firing. They, the only person but, who could yeah. get into there was was um Vinales. So
0: if they're able to, if they are able to continue the trend of, of strong performances together, well then they're like, I mean, crazy as it might seem with one fall from Quadraro, this season is back within a race win. Well, I think
2: the, the funny thing is that they, they would there's probably still no pressure on Bagnaya because he's probably mm. still far, far enough away that if he was to fall in another race, like, I don't think it would hurt him that much, like in terms of his, no. his, you know, in terms of how he's feeling, but there would be a lot of pressure on on Fabio, mm. um, especially now he's pretty much lost, I think, 45 points in the last two races, um, like realistically, that's a yeah. massive amount of points to lose uh, like sort of there's that's the worst way to, to go into the break and probably even an uh, even the break. worse way to come out of the break
0: well you come out of the break now and there's definitely pressure back on and the crazy thing like i mean i'm looking at the standings right now and if you were to talk about this season um or the story of the season so far it would be one based on looking at the points of dominance by quadraro but the reality is four of the races have been won by Bagnaya. four yeah. of them have been won by bastinini and oh, sorry, three of them have been won by Bastanini and three of them have been won by Quattararo. So at this stage, and to one the by point, Alec. and one by Olé. So it's to the point, and one by Oliveira. So to the point being made by you earlier about consistency, this has been a championship more of consistent consistency than dominance for Quat at this stage. So I think there's still more than enough races to um, for Bagnaya to pull back um, the championship, particularly if there is as we saw in uh, you know yesterday the chance for um, ducati to stretch their legs in saying that silverstone just due to its very nature and you know the length of, of a number of the straights would, that does very much suit the ducati so yeah, i would like to see year,
2: last year they ha- they they got smoked by Quadraro. that's that's the part that for me is really interesting last year quatraro won silverstone easily because um, even though the straights are, the straights are uh, relatively long, there's mm. so much, you know, curvy parts, you know, the whole maggots and back section. And just the, the the pace that he can carry through the corners sort of um, uh, last year, the pace he could take through the corners helped him onto the straights where the Ducati sort of had to stop it and then pick it up and then go. Um, but this, this weekend, I was honestly surprised how not e- not even that that um they stayed ahead of him but that by the end of the race it looked like their tire wear was better they actually mm. they actually gapped him mm. um all the ducatis that were left in the race um and then it was then it wasn't even just the ducatis then we saw um i think it was oliveira come past him rins was past him even at Leish on the last corner of the lap dive bombed him to to even try and try and get him as well so
0: can I ask what Very did what, what, I can't, what did qualify this race? Who? Cotteraro. I think fourth. That's going to be the biggest thing, I think. To, second. That's row. going to be that's going to be the biggest story for this season. I think if if we see, but he got if to he, the
2: second off the start. If he, but if he he's to able, serve his long able.
0: If he's able to, um, get in the lead, I still don't doubt his ability to see out the race from the lead. The issue for him is going to be if he does get mired in the pack. Movement past the Ducatis, even the KTM yesterday was difficult for him to get past the But movement, particularly past the Ducatis and the Aprilias, with the limitations of the Yamaha, is going to be hard to be to do. So I think qualifying will be the story of the season to see how it plays out. And and, and interestingly enough, um, Bagnaya needs eight points from every race to bring the championship back. ahead of him. Yep, he that's a win. Finish. That's, well, it's seven points for a win, I'm pretty sure. So, you know, if he's able to put together a charge... Well, he needs to win, that's the thing. But if he's able to put together a charge and he gets a few favourable races where Quadraro falls or whatever it might be, um, then, I don't know, I reckon the season might be back on. It's definitely a good sign. The last two okay. races in MotoGP have... Um, have kind of brought the championship back into something of a, a contest which, is, I which think, is really interesting.
2: I think three races ago I said it was chalked. Mm. And now now I'm, I'm I'm not ready to say that anymore. Mm. Um as the as the pendulum is swinging. Uh one thing I also wanted to bring up was Maverick. I mean, yeah,
0: there has to be the talk of it.
2: That the... has to be the 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 really the rider of the weekend even though he didn't win. Mm. And um I was wondering why he had such a bad start and apparently he's his launch device didn't, didn't engage at the start of the race. That's why he got, he started second and got dropped back to sixth. So he wasted a lot of time having to come back through the grid. Mm. Um, but that, that, um, not Yamaha, that Aprilia with the, um, the way that it saved, it uses its tires and the way that he looked at the end of the race, I reckon if, um, he hadn't had that launch problem and he's had that launch problem like two races in a row now uh if he hadn't had that problem i think maverick's back and i mean that's that only makes um the rest of the season more interesting and then even probably oh, i don't
0: think i don't think he's back for this season i think oh, not to,
2: next, not to win yeah. but like just to throw himself in the mix just to yeah. get in people's way yeah um I mean, it's great for a player if he can find this form and then take it into next season. You'd probably say that they would they would, could be favorites for for a team's championship next year if, if their two boys are, are performing like this mm. by the time the season ends. Um but I mean th- I think this is what most fans have been waiting for from him for a long time. And I was sort of preaching patience at the start of the year when you were a bit impatient. Um, but I think now he's really gelling with the bike. This is his second, um, podium in a row as well, uh, on that bike. And, and it wasn't that it wasn't, it, it was a hard race to be consistent. And it was a that was a a really hard race for anyone involved and for him Mm -hmm. to move through the grid, like he did in the last five laps, I think he was sitting like fifth or fourth or fifth with five laps to go. Mm -hmm. And he's just started dicing through bikes and then even how he took miller i was very impressed
0: i think what we've seen is a bit of the mongrel back like i think we lost it for the longest time and we almost just had someone who was at times seemed like he was going through the paces and it wasn't really showing the potential of of the man but i think i think like i was listening to a podcast at the end of last uh, before sorry after the winter break uh, and i was saying that for aprilia to really make the step that it needs to be taken seriously. We need to be able to see someone else do well on that bike, because even with uh, Aleish being as old as he is, Aprilia needed some vindication that it was the bike. It was more than just the rider gelling with that particular bike. It needed to be, you know, comparable on two different bikes, something that we can see on the Ducati, something that we aren't seeing on the Yamaha, something that we haven't seen on the Honda for the longest time. So for aprilia also to finally see some uh like both riders within their stable being able to see success and for particularly for maverick to pick up and take you know pick up the gauntlet and run with it when Alash was injured uh, bodes well for number one the the formula they've got working with that particular bike and and the trajectory of the team moving into next year and i think that has to be um what the team's considering um, cause that's, you know, it's really, you know, it was really good to see. I mean, apart from the win and I don't know, it was interesting cause I picked up the race at the end and I saw that there was like a, a warning sign or the, or the exclamation mark next to bagnaia on the last lap. I don't know if there was an incident between him and Nakagami. Um, no,
2: he had, um, I'm pretty sure he just had track limits warnings.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. And um, I kind I of think thought that the race. there might've been a penalty that was incurred, but. No, it's really good signs for Aprilia. Great signs for Maverick and I mean he's still re- that's the thing we forget is that he moved from Moto 3 to Moto 2 into Moto GP at such a young age. I mean he's still relatively young. So this is this should be the w- when this bike comes into form and it should come into form next year as a title contender. He should be the one leading that charge not so much Aleish. Um, I mean that's best so form's the, good to find.
2: That's the crazy thing we forget that he actually is like He's of that level of Bagnaya and Cuadrado on his day, um, and like we we always say, that his highs, like his high is so, probably so much higher than Aleche. He just mm. needs to be comfortable, needs to have an arm around him and sort of be supported. And I think Aprilia has really given, shown him patience, shown him time. You know, put no pressure on him to perform. They've just let yeah, him. literally learn. zero pressure. No pressure. And Aleche having all this success, all this success, has probably given him given him even more time to have no pressure because they're getting the results that realistically the team needs just mm. to sort of you know to to um sort of you know have good vibes but not actually need um need vinales to actually perform so now that he mm. if he can actually start performing you know all on, on his own that's that's honestly just gonna bode so well for next year especially considering they're bringing four bikes next year
0: that's well that was the point that i wanted to talk about next so what does this mean for Aprilia, moving into next year when it seems like the consistency of the bike will be that much better, having the data from four teams? Who are the other two riders that are going there? Miguel um, Oliveira. Miguel
2: Oliveira and um, I think Raul Fernandez.
0: Yeah, so you've got. Or you're gonna it might have, be
2: Darren Binder, but you're going to have
0: you're going to have three race winners in that stable, on a bike that is awesome. Um, I mean,
2: it's scary. It's actually scary. Yeah.
0: For the te- for teams like um, Yamaha, particularly Honda, as well,
2: look that at Honda, have
0: kind of that have had you know the longest run of success that was probably taken for granted just due to the the skill of Marc Marquez. Getting back to the top of the leaderboard, or back up top of the totem pole, is not going to be an easy feat, and it's only going to be that much harder when you've got a team like Aprilia that is you know embracing the expansion that we wanted to see from the likes of aprilia and suzuki over the last couple of years so i mean moto gp is losing um suzuki. Suzuki, but by having aprilia firing and, and having them being willing to invest and, and kind of expand their team i don't know if we're losing a whole lot um, no
2: i don't think so i great. mean i i, I think Suzuki Rins uh, uh, this week and looked really good. He definitely burnt his tires out mid race and he faded at the end. So, so watching him, you know, in the top fight for most of that race, I was actually sad that we are losing Suzuki. One thing I, I think that's becoming very you know, apparent is that the Japanese bikes or the Japanese manufacturers aren't, aren't pushing the innovation of their bikes at a rate that that the italian ones are at, at the moment mm. you know i mean the the ducati we've said it from the start of the year is probably the best is the best bike on the grid probably doesn't have the best rider but it's the best bike on the grid and still every weekend i think it's debatable innovation. that peco
0: is the best i think that the, bike yeah, like, okay, the best rider
2: most consistent mm. most consistent but still every weekend they're bringing new updates they're bringing you know new bits of aero kit you know every bike's trying something new april is mm-hmm. doing the same thing you know there's there's no taking it for granted um yamaha's bike hasn't changed so you, so you, they're obviously going for we're going to try and do what we did last year because we've got probably the most consistent rider on the grid i mean honda their their best bike wasn't even close to the close to the um the action this race weekend i don't mm-hmm. think they flashed back to them once this this um this race which is a yeah. massive indictment of of like the the hole that that team is in and, think, and we'll sing yeah. in their praises at the start of the i
0: think year. i think what it, we i think what we will see like honda right now is a bit all over the place but i think what we will see from them come the end of the year uh number one i heard that mark marquez <laughs> might is potentially eyeing a return to race at year. the end of at the end of to race the valencia round this year no I've him here So that he can get a feeling for the bike again, and then go straight into the Valencia test after the race weekend. Because um, from what I heard, Honda are worried that if he spends half the day testing the old bike just to give a validation of what the new bike feels like, it might be a waste of a day, and they don't have that time right now. So there's even talk that he might even do the 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 uh, maybe just the testing on the last grand prix at uh, valencia and sit out the race but just to get the validation again of what the bike feels like so that he can go into the testing um kind of with the relevant information that he requires but i think the other and probably the biggest story for honda right now is that they're bringing in mir who's a who's a world champion who won a championship purely based on consistency and they might be bringing in debatably the most talented rider on the grid who hasn't won a championship in in Alex Rins,
2: Rins is and, there. He's signed for LCR. Well,
0: that's what I mean. And it, well, Honda's bringing him in. He's, but he's signed to a Honda contract. Yeah. Um, so I think between the three of them, the feedback they'll be getting from the from the development of this bike will will move exponentially quickly, because there's there's definitely from from where they are now and where they have been over the last five years to to the to the talent in this in their pool. It's not based on you know, future projections. It's based on three riders that definitely have the pace. So, and it's needed, it's needed. And I think Yamaha might be the ones left in the lurch because even now they've lost to Vizioso after, after this race meet, they're bringing in Crutcholo who, I mean, was a great racer, but he's definitely passed his use by date. So it's probably going to be more of the same for Quattro in season 2023. Uh, but yeah, great racing in MotoGP and I think. The championships back on, and, and you know it will it will give us definitely some more talking points for the rest of the season based on based on the trajectory of the last two races.
1: Um, just hey, quickly, so we just went, yeah. Before we progress, yeah. You know, I apologise for my lack of input in in anticipation for our friend Michael returning to the pod. I was waiting yeah. for him to paint me a word picture. Of the events of the of the of the weekend, but unfortunately, he pulled out last minute, so I, I have no idea what, what a happened. word picture, a word. Yeah,
0: I I um, I've never heard that before. Haven't you? No, I'm a fan though. I, I like was it. Uh, I was excited for the monologue. Yeah, it would have been interesting to get his to get his input. We actually actually, didn't, yeah.
2: I, we didn't actually paint any picture of the race other than speaking in vagaries. I think that's probably why. Yeah. Yeah, sorry but guys. Then,
0: yeah, that's alright. Michael does paint a good word picture by the end of it though. I feel like it's that's one all you of those... can
2: do Though, If you haven't got the actual knowledge, you can just regurgitate what you saw on the TV. <laughs> but,
0: but the interesting, <laughs> I think the interesting thing about those said word pictures though, is that, but you know, when you go to a, um, you go to a gallery and then at the beginning, it's like, oh, these pictures, they're amazing. How are they painted, et cetera. And then by the end of your experience there, you're just kind of sick of me. pictures. <laughs> I think that's kind of how Michael paints his pictures. I mean, by the end of the, by the end of the experience, you're not you're you know you're done seeing such a picture for the next twenty twenty five years. So
2: I was actually looking yeah. forward to him coming on though. I'm, I yeah, was disappointed too. when he said no.
0: Yeah, I I have to agree. Like he, regardless of
2: such a Michael thing to do though.
0: Mm. Yeah, but you know even regardless of his his fickle nature, in building us up to break us down. He still is a founding father of the Juggernaut, that is the Racing Line podcast. So Jaggernaut. to have him back would I miss, be...
2: I miss having to defend Jack Miller and he's only coming good when, when Michael's, Michael's not here. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's and, like and Michael you, knew.
0: You know what the interesting thing is going to be, but what? and I, I did have a conversation with our MotoGP correspondent about this. Next year when Suzuki leave, he jumps fully into the KTM experience.
2: Do we? do we, He's been a KTM boy. He's he's had like two wives for the last yeah. five years. Yeah. And then I, all of a sudden now he doesn't have to cheat on one. He's just going to have yeah. one to worry about.
0: But his, K, his, his, his full movement into the KTM experience now means that all the hate that he's given to Jack Miller, he will now have to defend. You heard it here um, first. My well, yeah. favourite
2: writer is he's, Jack Miller. Here's the thing. With, here's, here's one thing I'll say about Jack. I think even if you watch Jack this weekend, the way he played the team game this week was perfect. He even said it mm. after the race. I'm not in the championship hunt. He goes, I was never going to do anything stupid um, to jeopardize Pecco's race. And I, he mm. said, I was happy to sit behind him. Uh, he said, and then Maverick got me with two laps to go because my tires started to go. So I think when you when you have a rider who, who knows his role in the team like that and he's going to a factory, that's the reason a factory team like KTM is picking him up because this is a guy who knows the team game. He's he's actually been part of two of the more successful um, manufacturers, like back-to-back. He was part of Honda when they were the, um, you know, B's Knees and now he's been part of Ducati while they're actually the B's Knees. Mm. Um, so he can only take valuable information to um, to KTM. Mm. And I think he'll be awesome there next year. Um, yeah. He's he, Like now that he, he understands that bike is – he's um, the way he looks riding the bike now compared to the start of the year is night and day. Like it, it's totally different. Um, yeah, I, think probably, we'll
0: be, I think we might've been a bit harsh to him too. Well, I was not his, his, his history, his history, his history. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Regardless. 14, the
2: championship history. What, yeah. Nothing yeah, wrong with that. Any,
0: anyway. Um, but that's good. Uh, yeah, hopefully we do get our valued motor GP correspondent back on the pod soon to just just to give us the insight that we've, we've been lacking over the last couple of, of months. So let's move into our second talking point from the weekend. And um, it's probably been our kind of love affair of the last couple of months. And we've kind of tried to talk about it every chance we get. But IndyCar keeps coming back weekend after weekend. and. For anyone who doesn't like IndyCar, who kind of keeps saying, "You know, why are these people talking about it every week?" Unfortunately, Harry, it keeps delivering the goods. So until it stops delivering the goods, all we can do is talk about and reflect on those goods.
2: Yeah. Mate. Now you're making a word picture. Now you making a word soup. Too many words,
1: mate. I was watching that race today, and. I just couldn't believe what i was seeing. it was yeah. outstanding well, before actually before i
0: take your reaction mm-hmm. because that's what i want let's just paint a short just a, a sketch um so if you haven't watched the race um the race was won by um scott dixon, dixon followed closely by our Aus, uh, our new Zealander scotty mclaughlin australia new then, zealand
2: killing
1: indycar by the way yep
0: Yep, so two New Zealanders, first and second. Third place went to, um, was it Christian Lunga? No, Alex Pillow. Lungaad.
2: Oh, Pelot Pelot. and Rossi.
0: Pillow third, Rossi fourth, Herder fifth, Bungard sixth. And in relation to the championship, if you've got interested in IndyCar and have been following it, <laughs> the two key protagonists, Will Power and Marcus Ericsson, uh, both had some late drama. Will Power finished in 11th. And Ericsson, I think might've got a DNF with two or three laps to go. So again, the, Have you seen the standings, yes, the complexity six of points. the championship. Well, I think between the top six up to Pelot, it might be 39 points. So going into yeah. the last three oh, races yeah. of the season, uh, cause there's three to go, um, between the, the, between the top six, you know, everything is still to play for. So H I'll get your reaction first. What did you make of the race in Nashville?
1: Mate, firstly, that track, um, over a bridge everything, like, mm. insane. Um, you know, I remember when Sydney was trying to bid for Formula One, I think it was last year, when Melbourne was canceled again, they were saying, I'm gonna race over the bridge, and I was like, that'll never happen. But seeing seeing it over the Nashville bridge was pretty epic. Um, yeah. Some of those sectors in that track, though, like. They were trying to make moves, and it was so tight they were just crashing. Like I, I, don't, I lost count on how many bloody yellow mm. flags there were. Does it's pretty any- rowdy. Mm.
0: I think the interesting thing was IndyCar is there's a lot of street circuits. There's a lot of narrow, twisty. Like it's. I wouldn't say that any part of that circuit was unfamiliar territory for any of the drivers based on what they've raced in this year and in. in previous years but for whatever the other thing to take into consideration it it rained pretty heavily before the for the race and that's why the race was delayed so whether there was a lack of grip that kept being underestimated or whether i mean i think i think that is
2: the worst of the street circuits in IndyCar, though like (laughs) if you think about it like even think about like long beach i think was toronto where we were before there's Mm -hmm. a lot of 90 degree corners, but they're they're usually all, it's either a very wide corner coming into a narrow corner or a narrow corner coming into a wide corner. Mm. But I think a lot of the problems on that track, and I I, I thought it was a great race, but I thought the incidents were getting ridiculous. Um, Lee Diffie
1: Diffie said last year there was nine incidents. So it's obviously got a history of.
2: Yeah. So it happened last year. It happened this year. But the thing is, it's always a, a really tight, It's a tight street coming onto another 90-degree tight street. And then there's also a bundle of tyres as well. Mm. So either try and push the fence back and give it sort of a bit of an arc or, or, you know, don't use that corner because I think it actually, like I think this race, the spectacle of the race was hurt by the amateur look of some of the incidents.
0: I I wouldn't I go that far. I'd probably say that the it, race I, I didn't
2: I didn't like it. I didn't yeah, like it. That I just think it, it was
0: I think the nature of the track is difficult and I think it was a perfect example of safety car breeding safety cars. Mm. And there was a, a number of drive like what like it's getting late in the season. There's a number of people trying to make something happen this season. There was a number of people buried in the pack, whether it was power or whether it was Grosjean trying to make like everyone or New Garden trying to push through. There was a number of drivers out of position that were definitely
2: forcing the envelope and I think
0: the safety cars just kind of exacerbated like their antsiness. And I thought, oh, this is, I've got to make the moves now mm-hmm. to get back to the front. And, and what we ended up seeing was just a little bit of, it was amateurish, but at the same time, like I love the, I love how raw the racing is. And I love how just through the, the very formula of the sport this kind of passing in uh, a racing category is still accessible. and I think the other awesome thing to see was when like when these overtakes were happening, going into the next corner you had the car that was overtaking on the inside, the car that was hung out to dry on the outside and both of them were drifting, trying to get on the gas mm. to, to kind of hold position or to make like it was just it's it's so gnarly um, and
2: yeah and that, but that's all well and good. But so when, your ping is you so have, bad right now, mate. Um, I said, well, that's all well and good. But when you have um, two of your sort of championship favorites impacted in the same incident, you have um, Padre oh, Ward's gear, gearbox break, and then he hits Will Power, who then has problems with his car as well from the same incident for the rest of the race um, because the, the cars actually can't, feet around the corner quick enough. So they just stop, 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 stop. and, And then one guy hits him at the back. I feel like that is not a good look for the sport. Um, and yeah, when the racing is, was good, it's when the racing's good, it's good. But I feel like more so than any track, except maybe the last corner at long beach, there was too many corners on that track that were just, were just too tight, way too tight. Because these aren't these aren't Formula E cars where there's not they can't like Formula E cars can't really fishtail and shit that much like it's it's a totally like different power output. I think.
0: I I think if you were to look at the like track silhouette of Long Beach, you'd probably wonder why the track was the shape it is. And if you saw it, you'd probably say
2: that looks like a pretty crappy track. It is a crappy track.
0: But with with that initial in mind the spectacle that it gives, the overtaking that still occurs, there's something to that track that isn't Long Beach? No, Nashville Uh, I don't think it was nearly as bad as you thought and to be honest with you you're going to have some races I mean, there probably was a little bit too many crashes but just as much as good racing attracts new fans to the sport Carnage does too and I think this was probably an example of um a little bit of carnage and and i think i feel like you always need crash highlights for your end of season review anyway so there were shit crashes this this will be the
1: but i think i don't think it's even the 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 severity of the crashes or whatever i think it's Mm. all those incidents kind of bring the field back together and it's yeah you know they're they're still racing to for the win on lap Mm. lap 80 Mm. of 80 Mm. do you know what i mean like they were what half a 10th less separated, but at the finish
2: line, like. Yeah, it was a close finish.
1: The other
0: thing is going into this race, there was still mathematically a very good chance for nine or 10 of the drivers to make a push for the championship with four rounds to go. And again, like four rounds is not a lot. And everyone was like, no one was settling today. And I think that was the first time this season we've, we've seen, you know, everybody that can make a push do everything they can to make the push. And I think that just leads to tight racing and, you know, people will make mistakes. I mean, New Garden made a mistake um, with Grosjean. We saw the two Andretti guys go a lap down in the first 10 laps and somehow cut, come back to finish fourth and fifth. I mean, it was just a race where everyone was pushing to the maximum um, because the the championship's coming to an end. And I think one of the things that's – that's a really nice picture of Joe. Uh, I think one of the things – that um, has to has to be considered in IndyCar just due to the nature of the short calendar relative to something like Formula One. Mm. Sixteen races is not a lot by the current by current calendars.
1: So well, that, so every race counts. That's kind of my um, my point, I guess. That Will Power can't afford many more weekends like this one where he's mired mm. down in tenth or eleventh because yeah. what well, Scott Dixon's six points behind, um, mate. It's going to go right down to the wire, but he cannot afford another weekend like this one, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, well, I think the good thing for willpower is traditionally Penske are very strong at the next track, which is Phoenix for the Bomarito 500. Traditionally, they've been very strong there. Um, Ganassi are traditionally quite strong at the um, Laguna Seca race, which is the last race of the year. Uh, And Portland is a little bit of a unknown which is the second last race so i I guess yeah he had an ordinary race but his recent trajectory before this round Mm. was was pretty strong
2: is that all power
0: yeah and i'd probably back him still to to take out the championship um but it's It's definitely i i do i do i I back him to take. i think
2: next week six points behind yeah yeah i think i've still wanted to take it out well, if
1: you're saying if you're saying the next track is a Penske stronghold kind of thing, then mm. it would make sense that he pulls out a bit of a lead on Dixon. Well, then. yeah, Pensky have,
0: have been pretty strong on the short ovals yeah. this year, but even traditionally over the last couple of years. So I'll see, I'll expect them to be pretty dominant next year. The other good thing, I mean, th- actually the amazing thing about both the two front running teams, Pensky and Ganassi, right now, is we saw for well, the majority of the race, all three of the Penskys and all three of the um,
2: Ganassi's. Ganassi's
0: in the top eight.
1: Mm. I mean, Man, how, how some, good was Scotty McLaughlin this weekend?
0: He was awesome. I mean, he got he a little vibrant. bit unlucky just with all the safety cars. He mm. did really did nothing wrong himself. Um, but he, that's probably an off-season conversation. Just to, it's almost like he's done his rookie year. He's done his sophomore year, and he's kind of in a position now where he, he. I mean, even by his body language, I think his body language and his rhetoric in in interviews but also on social media is now that he is an IndyCar driver. Yeah. He's not someone who's come from supercars to IndyCar. He's an IndyCar driver. Um, and I think even today we saw when he does put the car in a good position in qualifying and it's kind of, he does revert back to his natural climate of being at the front of a field. I mean, he's he's almost unstoppable.
2: That
1: move okay. that he made after the final safety car on, was it Pelot? mm um, yeah. Into that corner, wow. Yeah,
0: he made a few good. Like he, he's he put up a social today on Instagram of all his moves from the race, and he was, hmm. he was he was killing it all race. I mean, I don't know. He, yeah, he, he definitely put money in on him next year. Yeah, I think he's also kind of vindicated himself because it's definitely a ballsy move to leave to leave the surety of a of an awesome finish at supercars to, to kind of take the next step and go into IndyCar. Mm. And um and this year, I mean, he's got the most wins this year. No, sorry, second most wins. I mean, new guard has got four, he's got three. And, you know, it's his second year in the sport. So big things from Scotty McLaughlin for, for season 2023. Um, but with three races to go, we kind of, I think we can mathematically say now that the race is down to the top six being power, power, Dixon, Newgarden, I think.
1: Erickson.
2: Pil-
0: Erickson, Pelot. That's and it. Scotty McLaughlin.
2: Scotty's not close
0: enough to it. Scotty's really too far. Must be three the 392. There's
2: five guys top left.
0: Top five, I think it might be something like 40 points. The between thing, of, those the top thing five. of Scotty
2: though, Scotty can get himself in between willpower and, and the chasing pack or Newgarden and the chasing yep. pack. Yep. Like that's where he's going to be a valuable asset because he's got the pace to actually do it. Um, so that's, yeah, that's going point, to be interesting
0: The point that I actually was going to make And then kind of painted a different picture Was um, that this weekend we saw well, Obviously we have Newgarden and and, um, and McLaughlin That are always performing for Penske But we've seen over the last two races Christian Lundgaard finished third And then he finished fifth or oh. sixth today he was, he, was, he was coming third for the majority of the race But I, th- I think he's also kind of taken the next step as a rookie this year with um, Ganassi. And he can also act as a bit of a, a windbreak if Hello or Dixon was to kind of have a strong result and, and just steal a few more points from Penske as well. So, I mean, both teams are have all their um, guns firing um, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. And then also you've got those drivers like Herder, like... Grosjean, like O'Ward now, um, Rossi, all of those drivers are just racing for, you know, race wins at this stage. And they're just literally throwing caution to the wind. Like some of the moves that we, we saw today, 100% caution thrown to the wind, um, <laughs> which was which awesome. Was I think even like, probably don't need to talk about it, but the two rookies, Malukas and Kirkwood, up until they crashed into each other, I mean, even the young guys in IndyCar are killing it. It's, it's, I don't know how many times we can say it. If you're not watching it, oh, there goes Joey. If you're not watching it, H, you're really missing out.
1: 100%. I, I didn't really watch it when I was, before I got on the pod, you know, I, I remember you talking about it and how good it was, but it was kind of like, oh, it's at a stupid hour. I'm not going to watch it kind of thing. Mm. But now, like, I was at work and I was like, I have to watch it and it, yeah, it, 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 it's at a stage now where kind of
0: your elitism has washed away and you're kind of just embracing the you're embracing the um the the spectacle. Let's move into Formula 1 land because it's supposed to be the off season it's supposed to be quiet times in the pod but we've had uh a bit of chaos, a bit of Aussie chaos thrown um, into the European winter.
1: Aussie on Aussie hate crime.
0: Yep. So what do you make of the whole Ricardo Piastri fiasco? The Mark Webber fiasco, let's call it that, because he's the one that's pulling all the strings. Uh,
1: there's so many different angles, right? Nothing's mm-hmm. been confirmed. The only thing that's been confirmed is Piastri's come out and said, I'm not racing for Alpine. Mm. McLaren, I don't know if they're overcompensating, but they've been posting things about Danny Rick all yep. week. Yep. Um, take that, you know as admin saying he's still our driver for the time being, or if it's them trying to overcompensate, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, looking at how well Ricardo did in 2020 in that Renault, it wouldn't be such a bad move for him to go back to Alpine, be part of a constructor, that the this car. Um, We know he can drive their car, I don't think it's such a horrible move. But again, mm. we haven't heard anything from anyone. McLaren's not talking. Alp- the only thing Alpine said is Otmar has come out and said. Uh, he
0: expected more loyalty. That's what he said two hours ago.
1: From Oscar, but also mm. when it comes to Danny Rick, that they would have no issue bringing Danny Rick back. Yeah. Um, even though we left them in 2020, all well, at the end. Yeah. Um, I don't know, mate. Like. Yeah, for me, it would actually to Danny Ricci got a three-year deal at Alpine, mm. and gets Oscar in a in a car that could potentially move up the grid. I don't know how much McLaren um how much upward trajectory they have considering they're not a, they're not a constructor. But you know, Webber's obviously got his little what's it called plan of where Oscar's going to end up. Mm.
0: I think the I think to be honest, I think it's actually a good thing for like if it is to play out the way we expect it to with Piastri going to McLaren mm. and Ricardo going to Alpine. I think the best thing for Ricardo was that he didn't burn any bridges when he left Alpine. Yeah. And we saw him kind of maximise every result up until his final day there. So he I think he was so good that year man. Mm. Like he yeah. came
1: fifth in the constructors. He was amazing.
0: Yep. Yeah. So I think there's definitely Op, there would be optimism from endstone for him to return because I still yeah. you know he's still definitely got the got what it takes um
1: hey hey can we get that I'm gonna sound
0: by that well for them he does for them he's frozen on me um but I think he's definitely got what it <laughs> takes I think I don't know how it's come about with the whole piastri situation what that does tell me though is that any speculation about Ward or um Herter having a history or having some kind of chance at McLaren no. goes goes by the wayside now because they have moved to another young driver. Really? And I think the other good thing for I mean if Piastri goes to uh Alpine, straight away he gets compared with Alonso. But I th- or that's what we were all assuming. But by him going to McLaren, I think the good thing for him is Norris's is going to be the obvious number one. Mm. And I think his recent history at the team would owe him that. But I think what it gives Piastri is it gives him a year to just be a number two and to learn. And there's no pressure on him. I mean, when you think about how Ricardo's performed this year, Mm. you can't really get any worse than that. So for him, he goes in, learn behind a young guy. And then I think for season 2024, that's when that's his real chance to take it to, take it to Norris.
1: But can I, for me, right? And Alpine's a constructor. Say what you will about their recent performances, that car's moving upward. We can see yeah, it. Yeah,
0: it's definitely better than the bloody Stroll okay. project. So yeah,
1: that too. But if you're Mark Webber, you have ties with Red Bull, obviously. Mm. I know he's got he's got ties with Andreas Seidel, and that's where this could be coming from—the whole Porsche connection. But wouldn't you go Oscar into Alpha for a year next to Pierre and then Checo retires or they move Checo on in twenty twenty four and that's Oscar into the Red Bull seat? Like Do you know um, what I mean? Like where's 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 the option after McLaren? That's my... my my the interesting
0: thing for me is that I think for Red Bull for them to do that kind of makes all them. the inv- exactly makes all the investment that they've put into their young drivers, like Liam Lawson up until recently, Yuri vips all their red they're Bull the development. Um, potentially also, not, potentially not. But if you look at the people that are running Red Bull, I wouldn't say that they're mm. the most, uh, I wouldn't yeah. say they're humble. I, I you know, they're, 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 they they've got a, history of sticking to their guns and and kind of trying to make it work with what they've got so I I, I just don't see how someone who's been developed by Alpine raced with uh, realistically the Ferrari team or Formula 2 how they're just going to kind of assume that when they've invested so much money into their own development infrastructure.
1: I just don't know where like yeah McLaren's a the legacy team, McLaren has the history, blah, blah, blah. Danny Rick's the only race winner in the last, what, 12 years? Like, mm. where where is Oscar's trajectory after, because you move him out of Alpine, the constructor, you know, maybe the only other seat would be a Mercedes because, you know, the engine supplier, etc. But again, they've mm. got their own driver program as well. So mm. I, I just, for me, the move doesn't make sense for Oscar at this point in his career.
0: It doesn't make sense if you don't think McLaren can get back to where they want to get to. Hmm. If you believe, like if you think that they can bridge the gap to the front running teams and they would obviously think that they can do Hmm. that and they would probably think that by having two bullets in the barrel of the gun as opposed to one as it is right now that they can do that faster. Um, Do you think they can? In
1: 2022, think, do you think McLaren has the potential to match it 2023? No, but I'm saying as McLaren currently sit in the mm. next five years, do you see them taking it to Red Bull, taking it to Mercedes, taking it to Ferrari?
0: Um, five years, I would be more confident. I would say that there's probably a good chance. I think the thing for Oscar that works well, though, is that he doesn't need them to be like that next year. Hmm.
1: Um, but I don't so, imagine they're signing him for a two-year contract.
0: I don't imagine that he would sign for anything less than a two-year contract.
1: That's what I mean. Like, there'll be a three or four-year contract, I feel.
0: Mm, I don't know. I think two years will be what it is. Um,
1: Two two plus one, maybe.
0: Maybe. Yeah, maybe a two plus one. But I think it'd be probably a two-year deal. And I think um, you'd also have to assume that there's been a pretty convincing discussion about where the team's heading. And you also need to take into consideration. I'm pretty sure that their wind tunnel comes online at the end of this year. Yeah. Hopefully that expedites the development process of the team because all their issues are still relating to the Air. aerodynamics of the car. Um, so there's probably a pretty convincing conversation taking place about that team. And there's obviously in the last, uh, you know, I made mention of it in our last podcast as well. But there was rumors about. BMW potentially coming back to Formula One as an engine supplier and a connection being developed with McLaren right now. Mm. Um, in that regard, too, if that's the projection that they're t- selling underneath the table to someone like Weber and Piastri, mm. and there's some conviction to that development, then that's
1: what they're selling. And that's kind of that yeah. works. That works for me. I think. I'm hearing, and take this as you will, and I think I know how you'll take it, but I'm hearing that Danny Rick, if he does go to Alpine, will have a clause in his contract if Mercedes come calling. Because apparently Toto has been seen talking to Danny Rick as part of a succession plan. For for Hamilton. For when Lewis retires, mm. and that, um, yeah, I don't know. That's
0: well. I mean, he had a, he had one such clause when he signed with them last
1: time as well. Hmm. Um. Apparently, Bottas was the option that Hamilton wanted because he felt less yeah. threatened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes sense too. Hmm. Um.
0: Listen, I think honestly, I think that it works in the best favour for both. Same. I mean, I think it works out better for Ricardo the interesting thing will be for him and this is where it could get tricky for him if he was to go to rp next year and
1: does not beat Ocon. even yeah because he spanked him what was it i think 15-2 in 2020 Mm,
0: yeah so if he was to regress and 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 kind of was to lose to Ocon next year i'm pretty sure that that would be yeah the end of the debate um as it pertains to his Mm. demise um but in, in, in regards to having a fresh start, a team he's been at, a team he likes, they're on an upward trajectory, it has to be said. I mean, by the time he gets in next year, there's probably a decent chance that Alpine and McLaren are fighting over the same real estate for both of the constructors, constructors. So that could be really interesting
1: to see as well. If, um, but, if they do make, the, if the, all this happens. Yep. I'm here for Danny Rick being an absolute prick for the rest of the season. And not listening to team orders and all that sort of shit. But, but
0: the problem is we've already seen... He's played his hand in that regard, and he, he's, he's a team player.
1: Yeah, but if you're not there next year, who gives a shit?
0: With, well, you could have said the same thing when he left Alpine, but I don't think it's the way he... Op- I don't think it's in his constitution
1: to act in that particular way. But the way this has been handled by McLaren could potentially leave him with some sour... I don't know. I just hope he yeah, just that's fucking fair. does what he wants to do. Yeah,
0: but the other thing is, in order to play that game,
1: yes, 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 he needs to be closer.
0: Yeah, that's the other thing. Like you need to be there, there or thereabouts at least. So it's definitely interesting. I think it, it's 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 spiced up the the racing world a little bit. Uh, mm. We saw Alpine, Alpine. We saw Albon <laughs> re-sign with Williams. I think that was a warranted and and worthy resigning for them. I can't believe he's still there for another year. I thought that there would have been. Um, other teams knocking on the door for, for his signature, but it's good to see that he's mm. he's rewarded their loyalty uh, with another season. They're obviously making improvements as well, but yeah, it's supposed to be the off season, and and all we're getting is 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 transfer rumours. So Formula One still on the back burner, still kind of giving us some goods.
1: Would you would you think that Alpine? say to Fernando, take a seat for the rest of the year and Danny Rick leaves McLaren now? No. No? Don't think no. it'll happen?
0: I think because Alpine are probably in a position where they say if our car keeps developing the way it is, we have a chance at fourth this year. Because right now, you'd probably say fourth. that. Was... Are McLaren ahead of them? No. Really? Well, then they got like... they got to fight They got yeah. fight for that then. So I don't think... Like, it's in their best interest to have both of the like they're both driving well, Ocon and Alonso, hmm. and they want that like money's money. Fourth place is still an improvement for them. Um,
1: Can you see Alonso playing the team game, but now that he's leaving, I think that'll be an absolute nightmare.
0: Yeah, what I actually think will happen is Ocon will get schooled in the art of
1: <laughs>
0: old school, just old school racing.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean he's gonna he's gonna realise. <laughs> I think what he's actually going to realise, actually, in saying that, Ocon in and of himself has got some thick skin. I mean, his years at Force India with Perez, mm. if they showed anything, was that he can play the mongrel game as well. So we might have a spicy end to the season. The interesting thing will be to see if Alpine can actually contain it and control it so that they can maintain that fourth place in the championship because there is enough kindling there between the kind of relationship that's developed. Between mm. those two drivers, for it to blow up in their face, and by yeah. that face, I mean Alpine's, 100%. which is interesting. Yeah, mm. really
1: interesting. All, all happening in the world of Formula One, mate.
0: But it's all happening in the world of racing. MotoGP's woken up, IndyCar's still killing it. Formula One is just giving us some juicy gossip to talk about in the off season. But the the great thing that we have is that in six days' time, seven days' time, we'll do it all again, and we'll reconvene, and there'll be a little bit more juice for us to. Mull over,
1: yeah, and uh, hopefully, we have some uh questions to debate, which would be good,
0: yep. And and hopefully, we'll have Tristan back on the podcast to give us his um much valued opinion. So, mm-hmm. I think we'll leave it there for tonight, buddy. Yep. Um, again, thanks to everyone for, for listening, participating, interaction in the socials are going up ever so slowly, which is great. Downloads are increasing. Um, so all we can say is keep engaging, keep spreading the word. We really appreciate it. Um, and most importantly, guys, just keep enjoying the racing because we're kind of spoilt for choice right now um, in the world of motorsport. So, H, thanks for your time. Of Joey kind of got bounced a, a few <laughs> minutes ago, but we thank him for his picture painting tonight in the MotoGP land. Um, and we'll speak to you guys again in a, in a week's time. So have a great night. See you, mate. Oh,